Hello and welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. I'm Jeremiah Johnson. Thank you for joining us. This is actually episode number 60. We just keep trucking along episode after episode, and we exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. We've had some great episodes. We have a three-part series coming down the pipe here with Stella Maynard, Real Life Stories. We had a quest for truth with Ron Blavelt. So we have all kinds of great episodes, great content for you to listen to. But back with us, Rick Maynard, verse by verse. Welcome back, Rick. Thank you. It's good to be back again. We kind of missed you there for a little bit. We've had a lot of other episodes going on, but now we're going to dive back into verse by verse. Okay. Where are we at? We are 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 13. All right, here we go. And just to set this up a little bit, this has to do with where uh, Adonijah, one of uh, David's sons, is trying to be king, and he's not supposed to be the next king. It's supposed to be Solomon. And so he's declaring himself king, and so this is a conversation here between uh, Nathan the prophet and Bathsheba, David's wife. So uh, he says to her in verse 13, Go in to King David and say to him, My lord the king, did you not swear to me your servant? Surely Solomon your son shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne. Why then has Adonijah become king? So uh, technically, he's not king, but it's just uh, the process that he's going through to become king. And it talks about that you swore on oath. We don't have a uh, copy of that where he actually swore on oath. But when you look ahead at uh, some of the verses, and we'll look at that here in just a second, but some of the verses uh, talk about that oath as if it exists. And so even though we don't have the exact words of it, um, the Hebrew in that says, swore by the Lord your God. Uh, it was a personal promise that David had made. So, and and really, it was the what you would call the normal way of things working in those times. So, for Adonijah to declare himself, he's he's way out of his uh, rights and out of his uh, territory. In other words, uh, he is not supposed to be the new king. Um, in uh, in uh, verse seventeen, we'll read that here in a second, and also in verse. 30 in verse 17 Bathsheba confirms that oath she talks about you made this oath Uh, David affirms it in uh, verse 30 and says you know I swore by on oath uh, that I would do this so um, they they probably went on to explain all that Adonijah had done there's probably more content than what we have here but what they are doing really is David and Bathsheba are coming in and you know, I'll, I'll sidetrack here. I'm a big Barney Fife fan. Uh, you know, when Stella and I got married, you know, I had all this stuff in the in the bedroom, all my Barney Fife pictures and Andy Griffith pictures, and uh, I wasn't sure how she would uh, accept that. But one of the famous <laughs> Barney Fife uh, sayings is, nip it in the bud. Okay. And that's what Nathan and Bathsheba are trying to do here. It's like, we got to take care of this before it gets away from us. And uh, so in verse 14, while you, are st- while you are still there talking to the king, I will come in and confirm what you have said. So uh, Nathan is uh, the prophet. He's using some wisdom. He's defining a, or uh, devising a plan to break the information to David. If you remember, David's on his deathbed. So he's not out there where he uh, has access to all the information. So all this stuff's going on without his knowledge. So he's saying, you you start the conversation. I'll come in and confirm it. Uh, I'll add to the conversation the things that you don't say 
to David. So verse 15, so Bathsheba went to see the aged king in his room, uh, David 70 years old, uh, where Abishag the Shunammite was attending him. Uh, if you remember, they have, had uh, brought Abishag in to basically take care of the king and talked about to uh, lie with him, not in a sexual way, but in a way of keeping him warm in his um, old age, uh, whatever's going on with him. But uh, verse 16, Bathsheba bowed low and knelt before the king. What is it you want? The king asked. So she has respect for David. I mean, she is the wife. Uh, she has to, you know, she could just walk in, but she comes in uh, in this situation and, uh, you know, bows before him. It's probably a different thing than just when she walks in on a normal basis uh, to talk to her husband. And so he knows something's up that's uh, business. 17, she said to him, My Lord, you yourself swore to me your servant by the Lord your God, Solomon your son, son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne. So that's what we mentioned just a second ago, where uh, there's confirmation that there had been a uh, an oath. And really, that's just a, it's almost a complete repeat of verse 17. So we'll move on. Verse yep. 18, but now Adonijah has become king, and you, my lord, the king, do not know about it. So again, it's a it's a play on words because he's really not the king. Uh, otherwise, things wouldn't uh, go as they do in these next verses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's not, in essence, the king. Uh, he is self-proclaiming himself to be the king. Uh, somebody told me the other day uh, when we were in Sunday school class, they were reading that verse, and it, it actually says, instead of sa- saying Adonijah has become king, uh, in their version, it said Adonijah has declared himself king. Oh, okay. So that's really what uh, what you're looking at. And you know, this is not a a tattletale situation. You know, somebody coming in and whining to David about what's going on, and uh, you know, trying to gain something uh, for themselves. But I like what she says here. She says, "My lord, the king." Do not know about it. You, my lord, the king, do not know about it. In other words, she's not blaming David uh, for anything that's going on here. I know you didn't know, in other words. Um, I don't know why someone hasn't come to him before this. Uh, we don't know what the time frame is between Adonijah declaring, declaring himself king and when this conversation takes place. But um, uh, maybe Nathan, Bathsheba, and Solomon, maybe none of them knew right off the bat. Uh, they weren't invited to the big party that Adonijah's having, so maybe they didn't know. So there's been a little time pass anyway mm-hmm. uh, b- before all this stuff has happened. Um, and Adonijah, you know, this is not just—we've talked about uh, how David didn't take care of Adonijah like he should have as a as a father. But this is not just a fatherly situation here. This is treason. Right, yeah. I mean, it's legal. Rebellion. Here. yeah. I mean, it's an open, uh, and, you know, any rebellion, uh, you're going to get a following. So there are some people following Adonijah. You know, it's not like uh, he's the only guy out there and nobody else is uh, really following along or trying to help him. We know he has a priest and he has all the things that he thinks he should have in order to be the king. But uh, verse 19 he has sacrificed great numbers of cattle, fatted calves and sheep, and has, has invited all the king's sons, Abiathar the priest, and Joab the commander of the army, but he has not invited Solomon your servant. 
you know, they're, I mean, they're having a party while dad's dying. Yeah. I mean, wow. that's, you know, it's a sad reflection just on a moral side. It's a sad reflection of uh, Adonijah. And I, you know, I had to think about it uh, in respect to um, the prodigal son story. You know, he wants what's not his. I know the prodigal son, yes, he was going to get an inheritance, but it was not supposed to be now. But he comes and, you know, he wants dad's money <laughs> before dad's dead. And, you know, I think uh, we talked about it in Sunday school and kind of used that illustration that, you know, it's pretty sad when your son would come to you and say, hey, dad, you know, <laughs> uh, I know you're going to die soon. And especially if you are sick. I mean, it's even more of a, uh, in David's case, I mean, he's a dying man. But Adonai just trying to get his what he thinks is his right and his inheritance uh, before the right time. So yeah. he's he's having a party while David's dying on his on his deathbed. I mean, it's this is a, it's a sad story of well, a father my, son. What my brain's kind of processing is, you know, we can do all the right things, but if it's not God's will, you're not going to get God's God's results. That's right. You know, like he's he's doing sacrificing. He's like you said, he was lining up all these things like okay, yeah, this is what you do to become king, but he's not going to get God's results because he it's not God's will. And I think how many times we are so desperately wanting certain things in our life or God to do certain things, and we try to do the right things, and God's like, this. it's not going to happen. It's, it's This is not my will. Right. And, I, you know, all of these things that we're looking at here, uh, you can relate all these things to politics today, you know, and we don't get on here and talk about politics and you know, which president we like and all those kind of things. But just generally speaking, all of these things, I mean, for somebody to come in and try to overthrow the president, you know, well, he would try to line everything up and get everything done. Like, you know, and of course, in our case, uh, you have to vote. So, but in this case, the king is declared and announced by God and the previous king. And so it's not a matter of, uh, you know, the vote coming in. Uh, 20 and 21, My Lord the King, the eyes of all Israel are on you to learn from you who will sit on the throne of my Lord the King after him. Otherwise, as soon as my Lord the King is laid to rest with his fathers, I and my son Solomon shall be treated as criminals. So uh, it's not all the people that have turned against him, and she's there saying something else can can be done. Um, and, and the what she's really saying is it's kind of the same thing we talked about with Adonijah. When you get away with something, people think it's okay. So in this case, if you don't have a protest from David publicly, then those people who are following Adonijah and, and even the people who thought Solomon was going to be the next guy, if there's no word from David to uh, contradict this, then the people are going to think it's okay. They're going to think that uh, something else uh, has happened, that there's been a change of, of heart. Uh, the people are waiting to hear from David. And, and it's interesting because she throws in right at the end of that, um, uh, you know, talking about Adonijah and what he's doing. But then she says, I and my son Solomon will be treated as criminals. So uh, for Bathsheba and Solomon, it's even more, uh, they know Adonijah is not going to be favorable towards them. I mean, uh, Solomon is the guy who's supposed to be the king. I mean, he's not going to be 
uh, very favorable towards that. I mean, he wasn't invited to the party. Yeah. So, um, and if I looked at some other versions of this, the King James says, um, where she says we'll be treated as criminals. King James says counted as offenders. The Hebrew says counted as sinners. In other words, um, considering them to be sinners, and there's, uh, you can think about this because you know people are cruel. And if you look at the way people uh, react, and we don't always have the words and the thoughts of people here, but uh, Adonijah very well could remind people of David's sin with Bathsheba, you know, bring that up, uh, that he killed Uriah, uh, he, that uh, he can condemn his own mother as an adulteress. Yeah. Uh, he could say Solomon came from a forbidden union, you know, why, why would Solomon be the guy? Because he came from, you know, this, this wrong union, that he would be unfit to be a king. I mean, so when she talks about I and my son Solomon will be treated as criminals, mm-hmm. I mean, they very well could be. I mean, he could say all these things against her and against Solomon. Amplified said political enemies. Polit- yeah. yeah. So the politics, you know, comes into it. Um, but I, you know, I wrote something out. I said the worst message of all if Adonijah succeeds, and um, you know, you can look at this if if you would ask that as a question. Somebody, well, you know that uh, you know people would talk bad about him or or whatever. But the the worst message would be if David, or let me back up, not if David. The worst message would be that David wasn't forgiven and God still holds him accountable. And we know that in you know when we ask for forgiveness, it's gone. But if you want to throw this in here, if you want to look at what Adonijah could do, he could start bringing up all the past again. And you and I both know if if all of our past was brought up all, right. <laughs> all the time, uh, and and that's exactly I mean if you look at politics today, that's what's going on. Yeah, I was going to say politics today. Yeah, I would never want to step into that arena just, no, <laughs> just no. for that. They dig and bury yep. and you pull might up. As, you might as well, if you're going to run for politics today, you might as well lay it all out right up front. Right. This is what I've done my whole life, so that way you can't find anything new on me. You know, I'm just going to... But uh, but when we bring that into the realm of of God's forgiveness, you know, people like to throw things in our face, you know. When we start talking about, um, you know, marriage and how a marriage should be, and then someone wants to throw it in your face, well, yeah, but you had an affair, and you did this, or you did that. I mean, uh, you know, people can bring that up as if you weren't forgiven. And Adonijah could very well make people believe, if he wanted to, he could make people believe that David was never forgiven, and he really wasn't the man. And so Solomon shouldn't be the man. And uh, he could make it hard on on uh, Bathsheba and on uh, Nathan and on Solomon. So uh, verse 22 and 23, while she was still speaking with the king, Nathan the prophet arrived and they told the king, Nathan the prophet is here. So he went before the king, bowed with his face to the ground. Uh, The prophet always had a right to enter the king's uh, presence without permission, but there were guidelines for the prophet. So when he comes in, I mean, it's not a, uh, they're not trying to be de- deceiving to David. They just have a plan that they figure uh, is going to be the best thing for David in his situation. I mean, we don't want to just walk in, break it to David, 
I mean, you might have a heart attack and die right there. <laughs> so they have a plan to speak gently to David. But the prophet, uh, the guidelines for a prophet, he has a, a right to speak without permission. He must show the same respect as other people do. He stands up and bows before him. He's not to sit down without permission. If the king calls, he must come. So there was guidelines for the prophet. He didn't just have open access, but he did have more access than most people. And, uh, you know, the, the situation today, we don't hear much of anything from people claiming to be a prophet or even having a prophetic word. You know, most people uh, probably in today's culture like to claim that just to state their own opinion. You know, thus saith the Lord. And if you throw that thus saith the Lord, then that can really make your argument good. Yep, you know, golden. <laughs> God told me. So, you know, it's really legitimate. But, there, there, uh, you know, if you look at uh, some of the... Uh, the Torah, some of the uh, the Mishnah, some of the rules and regulations. I I thought this was so different than today. But it says it is the duty of the people to elevate the king above everyone else. It was really law to elevate the king. They they didn't have the same rights then that we do today to get up publicly and ridicule our president and and jokes and uh, you know the things that we do and i i mentioned this the other day i don't uh, you know you're not as old as i am but i can remember as a kid where someone would would really be put in jail for just verbally making a a threat against the president wow you know yeah. if someone said you know i'm going to kill the president well they would be investigating that person put him in jail just because they made a threat you know even though it wasn't uh you know, in other words, if I was here and said I was going to kill the president, well, number one, I don't have access to him. I don't have a plan. I, you know, it's just a statement. Mm-hmm. But now right. we have people, you know, just on the media, on Facebook or whatever. Wow, well, the president ought to be dead. You know, and uh, we so we've abused that right so much now that there's just no respect. If you don't like right. them, you can say whatever you want to say. Um, there's no law against it. We have. We've abused free speech. Even in a just example being of when I go to Kenya, I always think it's really interesting. Just one subtle small thing there. But uh, when you go to Kenya, every school, post office, I don't know if it's every business too, but there's always a picture of the president. It has to be in every Mm -hmm. business, Mm -hmm. you know, honored, respected. It has to be, you know, it's illegal not to be there. Right. And so just, you know, another, just a little intricate difference in our country here in America where we don't have that overall respect and honor for those in positions of right. authority anymore. Well, and the, the thing is, whether you have respect for uh, the person, you know, we know that our president now and, and in the past has done crazy stuff. And, you know, we don't have to like them, but there's just no honor for the position anymore. That's the, you know, being president of the United States almost doesn't mean anything anymore. Uh, he can't really do much of anything because he has to have so much permission and you have Democrats and Republicans fighting each other. And so, uh, but when you go back to these biblical stories, there was that honor and respect. And I guess because you really believed in those times that God did appoint them. Yeah. And now you have two different sides. You know, the guys that like our president now, oh, God put him there. And the people that don't, well, God didn't have nothing to do with that. Right. You know. And so, 
but being the duty of the people to elevate the king. And, I, and it not only goes to the king. Uh, in our culture, we don't have any respect for any positions, really. You know, even if it goes right down to your boss. But in the church, the position of the pastor, you know, whether somebody likes every little thing, you know, there's a position respect that should mm-hmm. be there. And uh, parental respect, you know, I know parents do a lot of crazy things too, but parental respect. So uh, anyway, think, people think the Bible is not relevant to today. Um, they're just not reading it. <laughs> right. They're just, they're just not looking at these things <laughs> like we deal with. So um, reading several verses here together because this all kind of runs together here. Nathan said, uh, this is 24 through 27. Nathan said, Have you, my lord the king, declared that Adonijah shall be king after you and that he will sit on your throne? Today he has gone down and sacrificed great numbers of cattle, fatted calves and sheep, has invited all the king's sons, the commanders of the army, and Abiathar the priest. Right now they are eating and drinking with him and saying, Long live King Adonijah. But me, your servant, and Zadok the priest, and Benaniah, uh, son of Jehoiada, and your servant Solomon, he did not invite. Is this something my lord the king has done without letting his servants know who should sit on the throne of my lord the king after him? I think, um, Nathan, I think that's really kind of rhetorical. I don't think Nathan really believes that David has changed his mind. Uh, but it's just uh, another way of bringing it to his attention. But he said, you know, did you change your mind? Uh, Did God tell you something different since I talked to you last? Uh, Did you not tell me because I think that Solomon should be uh, king and you've changed your mind and so you don't want to tell me because I'm in favor of Solomon? I, I don't know what all is going through their head. But Nathan wants to know what's in, in David's mind. I think he knows. I think it's, it's uh, not a matter of Nathan not understanding. I think he's just bringing it to David's attention by asking uh, those questions. You know, Nathan is going to be more bold than Bathsheba. I mean, her being the wife and being gentle, uh, Nathan being prophet, we've talked about that before. A lot of people didn't like the prophet. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he spoke... The truth, he spoke boldly. Uh, the prophets weren't very well liked. You know, we all, oh, I'd love to have a word from the prophet. Yeah, you know? <laughs> right, right. And I don't know if I would or not because he might just really yeah. read my mail and tell me what I need to straighten out if I'm going to uh, serve the Lord or what I need to straighten out in my life. But, um, you know, and the other thing with Nathan you have to appreciate as a prophet is uh, that sometimes people who are the closest to us don't tell us the truth. And uh, I, <laughs> I've used the example many times of American Idol. And uh, it's a little better than it used to be. You know, used to, they brought on those really corny acts and made a big show out of it and everything. It's not quite as bad now, <laughs> but they used to just throw one of those really terrible singers in there. Right, yeah, just for fun. Yeah, and they would come in there and say, uh, you know, they'd say that, well, Simon Cowell, that was atrocious, you know. <laughs> and, well, you don't know what you're talking about. My parents tell me I can sing, and all my friends tell me I can sing, you know. And, of course, Simon Cowell was the most, he would have been the prophet, I guess. <laughs> but he was the one who was, well, all your friends must be deaf then. You right, know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, we need someone uh, and and it's hard because we don't none of us like to accept uh, criticism or judgment but 
we need to be humble enough that somebody can come to us and state the facts to us yeah. about the way we're living or the things that we say, uh, whatever it may be. And, and it's an art to be able to do that. You know, I used to think I had that gift till I tried to use it one time and man, did it backfire. The you know, prophetic gift? Well, the <laughs> yeah, you know, let me be the one to talk to them and tell them, you know, how things uh-huh. are. And uh, it did not go well. And uh, there was hard feelings for years over that. Uh, I didn't know how to do it. I thought I, you know, had the word from the Lord, basically. Uh, but I think it was more my opinion and the opinion of some other people. And uh, it didn't go well. But, but we need to step back and humble ourselves and be able to listen, listen to that prophet. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, we shouldn't even say to that prophet, to our friend, to our family, to our spouse. Uh, you know, I don't know everything. You know, correct me where I'm uh, weak. And if, if I say things to hurt somebody, let me know that so I don't repeat that again. You know, um, it's hard to be the receiver of that. And it's hard to be diplomatic and be the one to give that too. So um, I don't know how you accomplish that, but it's probably lacking in a lot of areas. We cringe when someone says something that hurts somebody's feelings, and we don't want to hurt their feelings, so we just keep quiet. You know, yeah. and it and it goes on. But um, we're probably getting are we getting close to the. Yeah, we'll wrap it up right there. So get a prophet in your life. I think that's really, it's funny for me, one of the interesting things as a pastor, I was really primarily discipled by an evangelist growing up in my faith. And I find myself as a pastor, I'm trying to tone down my self, not in a bad way. I still want to be bold and be myself, but I know that... uh, and, and I believe I kind of have a little bit of a prophetic edge sometimes when I speak, so I know that I can rub people the wrong way. Sometimes I intentionally throw out shock factor statements just because I'm really trying to come at people. Right. <laughs> but, right. you know, we got to learn how to, uh, like I said, there is a little bit of an art to it. But sometimes we do got to tell it how it is. Sometimes we've got to tell it lovingly, and there's there's different ways to do it. Right, right. Well, and you're dealing with the whole... Uh, congregation of different levels of maturity. Yeah, you know that's what's hard, <laughs> uh, is because uh, sometimes that bold word, the guy who's been here forever and understands how things work and understands the spirit behind it. Yeah, uh, somebody who knows you well enough to know that you would never intentionally say that to hurt somebody, but somebody got hurt because they were, uh, you know, less mature or whatever. So it is difficult. That's why you're the pastor and I'm not. Amen. Praise God. (laughs) Well, I hope that you are reading through the Bible this year. We are in 1 Kings. If you want to be reading along with us, continue to listen each week, Grace Point Daily, verse by verse, as we go through the Word of God together. And please keep joining us. We are now at 60 episodes, 2,600 plays. A lot of you are dialing in, listening, and we really appreciate it. Keep joining us. Thank you. We will talk to you next time.